Matthew chapter number 5. I preached a message very first year I was here with the title of what our theme is going to be this year. And we find it in Matthew chapter number 5. It's been a long time ago. Most of you probably would never even think of that title. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter number 5 this morning. And if you found your place, if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. We'll let the children, we'll allow them to be dismissed to Children's Church and to Toddler Church this morning. Lord Jesus Christ has just finished the Beatitudes, and we'll go back and read those in just a moment. Then we come to verse number 13. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor. Now, we're not going to deal with that this morning. We're going to deal with that tonight. Can I submit to us this morning the problem with the 21st century American church? that we've lost our savor. How does that happen? We're going to look at that tonight. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. This morning I want to preach a message to us entitled, Shaking and Shining. Shaking and Shining. Father, help us today, teach us, remind us. Father, if there be one here today who has never come to the glorious saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that today would be that day. Father, if there's a believer here today who has abdicated their responsibility of being salt and light, Father, I pray that you'd remind them of what you have called us as disciples to be, who we are and what we're supposed to be. Remind us of that this morning. Remind us of that throughout this year. Father, I pray that you'd help our children next door. Father, there's no doubt there may be some children who need salvation this morning. Father, I pray that your word would penetrate their hearts today, help them to see. I pray that your word would draw them to the very threshold of salvation this morning. Father, we do want to lift up once again those folks that are sick and away from us, whether it be physical sickness, as there is much of that right now, but also spiritual sickness, just apathy and indifference. Lord, we pray for healing for both. And Father, we pray that you would do a work in our hearts and lives this morning. Father, we commit these next few moments to you. And Lord, we do so and we pray because we trust that you're going to do a work in our hearts and lives. We believe that you can and we believe that you will. You've promised and we have faith in that. And so Lord, In these next few moments, do a work in our hearts and lives that will make a lasting difference even as we leave here today. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Look back there at Matthew chapter number 5. I don't want us to miss who he is speaking to here. He is speaking to his disciples. And that's who we are this morning. If we know Christ... We are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse number 1, And seeing the multitudes, 
he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Now, I, I believe specifically he's talking about the twelve, the, that inner circle, but there were many others, I believe, who would have heard this message as well. And the Bible says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, And he begins to give the Beatitudes, the Bs, things we're supposed to be. And I I think it's intriguing here that Christ begins with the Beatitudes, what they're supposed to be. And then when we come to verse 13, He tells them who they are. Many times we begin with who we are and then we say, well, because of who we are, that's who we're supposed to be. And maybe that's just semantics, I don't know. But Jesus Christ begins with... Uh, what they were supposed to be, what they were, uh, the the Beatitudes, if you will. Verse number 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger, thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. By the way, if you're not merciful and if you don't give mercy, then don't expect it. If you can't give a little mercy every now and then, then don't ever expect someone to give you mercy. Because the Bible is very clear. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So he gives them the Beatitudes and he finishes the Beatitudes speaking about persecution. Saying you you will be persecuted if you're my disciple. If you live right and do right, then you are going to be persecuted. Paul tells us that. That uh, if any man will live godly in this world, he's going to suffer tribulation. He's going to suffer persecution. And then he begins in verse number 13. He says, you're supposed to do all these things. You're supposed to be all these things even in the face of persecution because of who you are. And he begins in verse number 13. In these next four verses, he tells them who they are. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And then he says in verse 13 and 14, he tells them who they are. Ye are, ye are, ye are the salt of the earth. That speaks to moral issues. Don't don't miss it. He said, you're the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. That speaks to spiritual matters. You are the salt of the earth. You're to push back against the decay and the distaste of this earth. By the way, we live in a decaying, distasteful, dark world, don't we? That's what the salt and the light is supposed to push back against. We live in a decaying, distasteful, dark world. And the salt and the light is to push back against all of those. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to give you three thoughts this morning from these four verses. And as we think about what we just mentioned just a moment ago, we live in a decaying, distasteful, dark world. What's the answer? Well, the answer is found right here. We shake the salt and we shine the light. Now, we are the salt. So, in essence, we're shaking ourselves, aren't we? We shake the salt and we shine the light. We shake the salt and we shine the light. Let me give you these three words this morning, these three truths this morning. The first thing I want us to see, I want us to see the identification of the disciples. And we've already seen that. The identification of the disciples. This is who they are, who they were, who we're supposed to be. The identification of the disciples. And tell me, what what is the identification of the disciples? What are they supposed to be? Or what are they? In these four verses, specifically verse 13, 14, what does the Bible tell us? What's the identification of the disciples? Salt and light. It's very clear, very easy. Salt and light. That is the identification of the disciples. He says, ye are. No ambiguity, excuse me, ambiguity about that. Ye are. Hey, disciples, ye are. Ye are. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are, verse 14, the light of the world. The identification of the disciples, who they are, who we are. We are light and we are salt. Take your Bibles, hold your place, we'll come right back. But go a little bit further to the right in the New Testament. And go with me to the book of John, just a couple of verses. John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. We'll look here at a verse and then we'll look at a verse in John chapter number 9. John chapter number 8. John chapter number 9. Bible says in John 8 verse number 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. John chapter number 9 in verse number 5. The Bible says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So the identification is that we are to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He says, I am the light of the world. We know that. He is the light of the world. But as His disciples, as Christians, as blood-bought believers, we are the light of the world. Because if you'll notice there in John chapter number 9, verse number 5, He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, when He went back and ascended to heaven, that didn't mean that He stopped being the light of the world because His Word is still the light to this world, is it not? But we are His ambassadors now. We are the ones that are to shine His light today. And in Matthew chapter number 5, He identifies His disciples. He says, ye are salt and ye are light. By the way, look back at Matthew chapter number 5, if you would. Notice where we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be salt in the earth. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the Bible says. We're supposed to be the light of the world. Verse number 15, he says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the, what's the word there? House. And then verse number 16, Let your light so shine, what's the next two words? Before men. So where are we supposed to be salt and light? The earth, the world, in our homes, And before men, that's as I hear someone saying, everywhere. That's where we're supposed to be salt and light. 
When we go to our homes today or when we are in our homes and we close the doors to the outside world, we do not stop being salt and light. Number one, the identification of the disciples, who they are. Let me give you number two, the instruction to the disciples, what they were supposed to do. Who they were supposed to be. And number two, the instruction to the disciples, what they were supposed to do. The instruction to the disciples, what they were supposed to do. Two things here. Number one, resist decay and remove darkness. Number one, resist decay And number two, remove darkness. That's what salt does. It resists decay. And number two, that's what light does. It removes darkness. Salt cannot change corruption into incorruption. But it does prevent corruption from spreading. All right? The instruction to the disciples, the what, what we're supposed to do, resist decay. So, somebody tell me, what, what does salt do? Oh, resist decay, Pastor, that's what you said. What does salt do? Okay, it preserves. Any of you growing up ever have a smokehouse? Any of you still have a smokehouse? See one? Anybody else have a smokehouse? When I was growing up, when I was a little boy, we had a smokehouse right up beside, I mean, it was probably, I don't know, 100 feet from our house. And my dad would put hams in there most of the time in the, the fall or the winter when it would start to get cool. Uh, they would kill a couple of hogs and, and he would put hams in there. And what would he put on those hams? Put salt on them. He'd cover those things with salt. Why? Because salt preserves. Salt pre- it keeps corruption from spreading. Salt keeps the... Now, let me ask you this. Would you normally leave meat just laying out? (laughs) Would you? I'm going to leave my hamburger meat sitting out. I just bought it at Sam's or I bought it at Food Giant. I'm going to leave my hamburger meat sitting out on the counter for five days. And Friday night, we're going to have hamburgers. Come over and eat with us. How many of you are coming to our house Friday night? None of you. You don't want to get uh, food poisoning. No, no, no. We, we put it in the fridge, right? Or we put it in the freezer if it's going to be a while before we're going to use it. Why? Because we don't want it to spoil. We don't want it to decay. We don't want to, any bacteria to get in there and begin to grow and begin to spoil our food. Well, salt preserves. You get the picture? That's why in our homes, that's why in our churches, that's why in our communities, we need to shake the salt, right? If we want to keep, because here's the thing, our earth is corrupt. True or false? Absolutely true. Our earth is corrupt. Adam and Eve fell into sin. Adam sinned. And the Bible says in Romans chapter number 5 that all men are condemned now, that all are under sin now because of Adam's sin. This earth is corrupt. Okay, so how do we keep the corruption from spreading in our homes or in our church or in our communities? How, How can this community... How can West Tennessee, how can Gates, Tennessee, how can Jackson, Tennessee, how can West Tennessee 
be different than other parts of the world. And I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to pick on a certain place, but how can West Tennessee be different than San Francisco, California? With salt. With enough people, enough of God's disciples, God's children, shaking the salt. And preventing the spread of corruption. Preventing things from spoiling. Preventing our children from being spoiled. Preventing our churches from being spoiled. What else does salt do? What else does salt do? It preserves flavors. Aren't you glad for that? Flavors. Some people like salt. Some people don't. Just about everything I eat. Now, I'm not saying that's good all the time. But it all needs a little salt. My eggs need a little salt. My bacon needs a little salt. No, I don't, I don't put salt on bacon. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My eggs need a little My green beans need a lot of salt. Salt. But, but, but it flavors. It gives flavor. You know, anybody ever called you salty? You know what that means? It means you have flavor. Now, sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be bad. But salt gives flavor. Look, this world doesn't understand flavor. This world doesn't understand uh, who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ can bring to their lives. And by the way, a lot of Christians don't understand that sometimes. A lot, of a lot of Christians think that this world is what has all the flavor. No, no, no. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His Word that flavors. By the way, what, what did Jeremiah say about the Word? He said, I ate it. He said, I ate it. Job said that the Word was his necessary food. What does salt do? It preserves. It flavors. You see, we're the salt. And so we're supposed to be the ones pushing back against corruption. We're, we're supposed to be preserving. We're supposed to be pushing back against corruption. That, that's why, by the way, that's why I believe, and you may disagree with me, I am always going to believe that there's hope for anybody and for any nation, and especially our nation. I'm always going to believe there's hope. Why? Because there's still Christians. There's still salt and light. And the salt pushes back against the corruption. It preserves. It flavors. What else does salt do? Okay, it melts. We may or may not need some this year. You have some ice. You have some snow. What are you going to put on it? You're going to put salt wine because it melts. Now, I'm not a chemist. Maybe we could get Jeffrey up here and he could explain, or Miss, uh, uh, the, or the better Dr. Snow. I'm just kidding. And they could explain all that too. But it melts. So why am I to shake the salt? Because there are individuals out there with hard hearts who the salt can melt. Whether it's 
a hard heart that has never come to Christ, or maybe even a Christian who's hard toward God right now. You know what? They need, they need somebody to shake some salt. Somebody just to keep giving the word, somebody to keep giving the salt, somebody to keep being the salt. What else does salt do? It preserves, it flavors, it melts. Does it do anything else? Huh? Okay, it burns. And when does it burn? Okay, it dries. On an open wound, wound it, it, it purifies. You ever had a sore throat? Your mama said, go drink some salt water. You, maybe yours didn't, but mine did. Go drink some salt water. Put a little salt in the bottom of the cup, warm water, and gargle it. Why? Because salt purifies. Uh, again, salt, as Brother Jerry said, an open wound. And as, as Jeremy said, it dries it up. It burns on an open wound, but that's good. Sodium chloride, salt. Now, if you just poured some uh, hydrochloric acid on your wound, would it heal it? Kind of, sort of, it would because it just eat it all away. But that's not the desire, is it? But sodium chloride put on that wound, it's going to burn, yes. It's going to sting. But it's going to begin the purifying process. So the identification, we are salt, we are light. The instruction, what we're supposed to do is we're to resist decay. We're the salt. We're to resist decay with, with that, that characteristic of preservation, with that characteristic uh, of flavor, with that characteristic of, of purifying, with that, that characteristic of, of melting, if you will. Anything else? What, what else does salt do? That cleans, absolutely. Boy, there's a good truth. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119.11. What's the answer? What's the rest of the verse? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Okay, number two. Number one, it resists decay. And number two, it removes darkness. That's what light does. The identification, that's who we are. We're salt and light. At least we're supposed to be. Number two, the instruction, that's what we're supposed to do. We are to resist decay. And by the way, here, here's the thing. We have for too long, we, we have... How do I want to say this? Decades ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, Many in the world would have had a reverential view of people in the church. Is that a somewhat fair statement? They, they would have revered the church house. They, they would have revered, even though they may not have been Christians themselves. They may not have known Christ themselves, but they would have revered the church house. Hey, you, you don't mess with the church house. You don't do anything to the church property. And now you, you have people that, that come to the church parking lot and throw their cigarette butts, throw their trash out. Has someone stopped in the back of the parking lot about two months ago and, and did something that was just awful? My neighbor called me and said, hey. And he said, hey, boss. I said, okay, if I'm the boss, you need to come to church. <laughs> 
He said, hey, boss, he said, you got somebody in your back parking lot, and they're doing something. I go, okay. But it's a Sunday afternoon. My, my point is very simply reverence. People would have had reverence for the church property. People would have had reverence for the people that went to that church. Okay, but that's not true today. And we got so comfortable as the church, we got so comfortable with people revering the church that now, because we still want that reverence, we don't like confrontation. Well, I don't want to make them mad. Well, they used to reverence us and they would have never gotten mad at us. But now they don't care. They don't care anything about Christ. Don't care anything about the church. And so I don't want to do anything to push them away even more or make them any madder. We've stopped being salt. And we've stopped being light. Because the salt holds back the corruption. The salt preserves and the salt purifies. The salt gives flavor. The salt cleanses. The salt dries up. Yes, it does sting sometimes. But it's necessary because it's purifying. It's healing that wound. The instruction to the disciples, resist the decay. And by the way, when I say that, I'm not talking about verse, the latter part of verse 13. We're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm not talking about verse number 15. They were to shake the salt, to push back against the corruption. They were to remove darkness. What does, what does light do? What does light do? Okay, it reveals. Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 5. This is what the, the light reproves. It magnifies. It reveals it. Some, somebody says something here. Eliminates. Gets rid of the darkness, doesn't it? Comforts. Absolutely. <laughs> How many of your kids were afraid of the dark? How many of you are afraid of the dark? Hey, you're stumbling through the house at night and you finally, you finally find the light? Gives comfort, doesn't it? What else? What does light do? Okay, it warms. Absolutely. God help us as Christians to stop being so cold. Yes, ma'am? Absolutely. Allows you to see. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a what? Lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It guides us. It allows us to see. It guides us. Anything else? Okay, signals. It points people in the right direction. The light we're talking about here points people in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ, does it not? Because what we're supposed to be and do is to magnify and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the identification, that's who we are. Number two, the instruction to the disciples, that's what they're supposed to be. Here's what I'm supposed to be. Salt. We, we have lots of these around our house. Not this one specifically, but just salt shakers. We have the grinders, which is what this is. I like the grinders. I, I like the salt when it flows down. We have grinders. We have regular just salt shakers. People give you salt shakers for Christmas or different. Yeah, you have lots of salt shakers, don't you? Because you know what a lot of our salt shakers are doing? They're doing nothing because they're sitting in the cabinet. Doing absolutely nothing. Because you can only really, I mean, you only use one set at a time, right? 
And the rest of them, they're just sitting in the cabinet. I am to be the salt of the earth and I am to be constantly shaking. I'm to be constantly disseminating the the salt, the truth of God's Word. I'm constantly to be pushing back against corruption. Because when the salt is gone, it's worth nothing. When the salt has lost, the Bible says in verse number 13, when the law, excuse me, when the salt has lost his savor. Notice the question there. Wherewith shall it be salted? That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Every day. Shaking the salt. In my home. Daddies, you need to be shaking the salt. Pushing back against the corruption. Pushing back against that which decays and pollutes. Where the bacteria comes in and begins to grow and begins to eat away. We're shaking. We're not only shaking, we're shining. That's, that's, That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're shining. It's not very bright, is it? Especially with the lights on in here. This is who we are. We're the salt. We're the light. Shaking and shining. That's what we're supposed to do every single day. That's the instruction. That's the identification. That's who we are. That's the instruction. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Then let me give you number three. Number three, we see the inspiration for the disciples. Number one, we see the identification of the disciples. Number two, the instruction to the disciples. That's the who and the what. And then number three, we see the inspiration for the disciples. That's the why. Why should we shake and why should we shine? Why should we shake the salt? Why should we shine the light? Why should we do that? Well, the Bible gives us several reasons. We find a couple of them right here in the passage. We're to shake and we're to shine, first of all, so that the Lord will be what? Glorified. So that the Lord will be glorified. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Lord's being glorified right now in most homes and in most cities in America right now? Absolutely not. He's not being glorified. Not being given His rightful glory, His rightful position, His rightful praise and adoration and worship. Why? What's the inspiration? Now, and this isn't one of them, but maybe it should be. But you know what my greatest inspiration ought to be? It's just obedience. Well, I want to do it so the Lord will be magnified. Well, that's good. But you know why I should want to do it? Because I just want to be obedient. And because God said that I am salt and that I am light... And it's inferred or insinuated, whatever the right word is in verse number 13. It doesn't elaborate as much on the salt as it does on the light in verses 14 through 16. But the inference in verse number 13 is all of the things that salt does and all of its characteristics. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Shake. And I'm to shine just because I want to be obedient. 
Number one, the inspiration for the disciples, the why. Number one, the Lord will be glorified. Number two, the light will be magnified. And number three, the lost may be evangelized. Number one, the Lord will be glorified. The Bible says in verse 14, excuse me, 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. We'll look at verse 15 in the latter part of verse 13 tonight. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then in verse 16, he tells us why we're supposed to do it. Let your light so shine before men that they, that they may see your good works. That they may see your good works. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought in 2024, that doesn't matter how we live. Grace covers it all. I have liberty in Christ. By the way, we do. But it, it, holiness doesn't matter. Being different than the world doesn't matter. According to this verse, it absolutely matters. He says, let your light so shine before men. When and if I go to McDonald's and order french fries, I want them to have lots of salt on them. And there's a difference in McDonald's fries that have a lot of salt and those that don't have any salt. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, there's a difference in a Christian who's not salty and a Christian who is, and I'm not talking about in a bad way either. I'm not talking about a person who's obnoxious. I'm talking about a person who's salty. There's a difference, is there not? And the Bible tells us, let your light so shine before men. That's just not talking about us in here, although I think that's part of it. He's talking about men in general. Let your light so shine before men that they... Well, God sees my heart! Absolutely right. Yes, but my neighbor Vince can't see my heart. He can't see my heart. And what I mean by that, he can't look inside of me and see my heart. He can't look inside and say, Whoa, it's covered by the blood of Christ. Boy, he's robed in righteousness. It's white as the driven snow. I can see his heart. He can't do that. But he can sure see how I treat him. And he can sure see how we act on a daily basis as he watches what goes on on this property every single day. He sees it. What is the inspiration? What is the why? So that the Lord will be glorified. So that the light will be magnified. So that the lost might be evangelized. That's the inspiration. That's the why. That's the motivation. Is so that the Lord will get all the glory. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that the Lord will be glorified. So that the light will be magnified. See, here's the thing today. 
in a dark, decaying, distasteful world. It doesn't take a ton of salt. And it doesn't take a big flashing marquee. It takes an individual Christian who's shaking the salt and who's shining the light to make a difference. Because this world is dark, because this world is decaying, because this world is distasteful. And it just needs a little salt. And it needs a little light. But the wonderful thing is, is that if a body of believers like us, every single one of us are shaking a little salt and are shining our lights, makes a big difference, doesn't it? Right? Yes? Absolutely. Shaking and shining. The identification, that's who we are. We're salt and light. The instruction, resist decay. That's what salt does. Remove darkness, that's what light does. It dispels it, it eliminates it. It directs and guides, it signals, points people to Christ. By the way, in Revelation 2, isn't that what the Bible says the church is? The church is a candlestick. And then number three, the inspiration for the disciples, excuse me, the disciples, that's the why. So that the Lord will be glorified. So that the light will be magnified. So that the lost may be evangelized. Salt and light. Are you any different than what the world is? Do you have any distinct flavor today? Are you salty? We've got to be. We've got to be salty. We've got to push back against, against error, against decay, against destruction, against corruption, against the bacteria that gets in. It begins to eat and eat and eat and it grows bigger and bigger and bigger like a cancer. That's what the salt does. It Keeps the corruption from spreading. We said, okay, stop right there. It stops right there because we're not letting it come any further because we're, we're shaking the salt. That's why I, be- I believe, uh, you know what? They may not be okay. That's a whole other message. We're going to stop. Are you shaking? I'm not done. Are you cold? Are you shaking the salt? And are you shining the light? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're his disciples, right? And if you're not one of his disciples this morning, he says, I am the light of the world. He's ready to receive this morning. He's paid the price. He shed his blood. He went to the cross of Calvary. And all we have to do is to come. Come, those that are thirsty. Come, the Bible says in Revelation 22. Come, come, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you, are you sure that you're going to heaven? We can talk about being salt and light, and that's what we ought to be as Christians, but do you know that you're on your way to heaven this morning? If death were to take you, if if by some crazy tragedy you might have an accident on the way home and death were to take you, do you know that you go to heaven? You say, Pastor, I don't know. You can know before you leave today.
Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe. That means have confidence in the name of the Son of God. Father, thank you for what you've done in our hearts today. Thank you for the truth that we find in Matthew chapter number 5. May, be, may we be individuals. May we be homes. May we be a church. That not just this year, I pray that we do this all the time, but Father, may it be... May it be fixed in our minds over this year. May we shake the salt and may we shine the light. It's what we need. It's what our communities need. It's what our kids need. It's what our homes need. It's what our, world's, our world needs. Father, I pray that you'd help us with that this year. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand to your feet this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Joe's at the piano. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, I'd ask you to come. I'd really, I'd beg you to come. If you're here this morning and you know Christ, you say, Pastor, I'm a believer. I, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Then let me ask you, have you been salt and light? Are you being salt and light? Are you shaking and shining? Are you being salt and light? And let me say this. We have to stop using this excuse... Well, you know, I'm just flesh. I'm going to fail. That's true. But we need to stop allowing that to be an excuse of why we constantly do not do what God called us to do. Yes, we have flesh, but we have one who resides inside of us who is stronger than our flesh. Well, I'm just flesh. I, I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good dad. I, I, I'm not a very good church member. I'm not a very good citizen. Don't use that excuse. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do we fail? Yes. But we get up and we keep serving and we keep doing right and we grow, as Brother Roma mentioned in Sunday school this morning, we grow and we do better and we grow and we do better. Not we do better, we allow the Spirit to do better in, in us and through us.